I do have a sermon prepared. I just don't know if I'm going to get to it tonight. Uh, and it starts in Psalm 143 and it ends in 1 John 2. So it goes through practically the second half of the Bible. And I don't know if I can shorten it, but we'll see if I have to. I've got a couple of last-minute things that happened tonight that I am so excited about. And uh, there are... Uh, let, me, let me start by saying this. Sunday, you are going... And you're the first to hear this. I'm going to put out an announcement before Sunday uh, via email, Facebook, whatever. Uh, the Heinens over here, Chris and Amanda. How many of you have gotten a chance to know the Heinens? Uh, several of you. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about them and my interaction with them right now. I'm just going to say, man, what a blessing this family has been. Uh, just, it's just, it has thrilled me to see how they have plugged in. It's the dream of every pastor to see new people come in and not just come, but plug in like they have. And you're going to hear all this again Sunday. Anyway, they're going to share their testimony on Sunday. And uh, as I mentioned, I, you probably don't remember this, but in one of the prayer mails, uh, last year when we were doing our daily prayer mails for most of the year anyway, uh, I mentioned that they had a testimony that wasn't my story to tell. Uh, they're going to tell that story on Sunday, and I'm, and I'm giving them their liberty. I don't know if they've decided yet if they're going to take the whole service, but they have the whole service if they want it. I'm serious. Listen, I told Amanda this on Facebook. She, asked, she, she was asking for some guidance, and I don't know Listen, we've got, we've got Christians of every stripe and every background here. I can remember uh, back in the days before there were churches like this when we would travel uh, to a full gospel businessman's fellowship or something like that just to hear somebody's testimony. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, was it worth it? Man, I'll tell you what. These guys have a testimony, and I want you to hear it. So I'm telling you in front of everybody, take your liberty. If you want the service, I'm not just, I'm not just saying, eh, if you need it. Man, we want to hear your story, and it's, it's an awesome story. I just can't imagine that you can tell the whole thing in 10 or 15 minutes. So anyway, you're going to hear their whole story. But something happened to Chris today. Uh, got, he got some news today. Did you get that news? I just saw it on Facebook today. It was official today. Chris uh, is a uh, E7, uh, Sergeant First Class. He's a recruiter. It's not his favorite duty uh, in his career. He's not been crazy about it, but he just got news today that he got, uh, he made the Master Sergeant's promotion list for E8. Uh, and you're all clapping. Maybe some of you are being polite. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, E8, and you've got, what, 13, between 13 and 14 years in now? 14 years in now. That's a, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, you, you can do the research yourself, but, but once you get to this point, just, the, the, just making E8... Uh, from the E7 to E8 jump is about a, uh, uh, it's about 25% of the people who are, who are considered make it, all right? Uh, and not everybody is considered, of course. I mean, some people top out. I've known career soldiers who've topped out at E7, all right? And he's still got several years to go before he makes a career of it. So I fully, I will be totally disappointed if you don't make Command Sergeant Major. Yeah. <laughs> So I want him, he's got some stuff that I want him to share just about that, that has nothing, well, it's, it's uh, peripheral to the things they're going to share on Sunday. I'm going to have him come up here in, just a, in, in, a, in a couple minutes. And then we're going to hear from somebody else that I'm not going to introduce until uh, Chris is done. And I'm going to say this. Take as much time as you need. 
take as much time as you need because I have a feeling that between the two of you, there's no way I'm going to be able to say anything significant about what I've already prepared. So don't rush yourself. Now, uh, by the same token, don't stretch it out for my sake. You know, the Holy Spirit's here. We're going to have church, all right? But Chris, come on up here. Uh, He was sharing some stuff with me today that really just, uh, well, just before service, that kind of charged me up about the the word of faith. So, Chris, go ahead. So, uh, I, for for most of my adult life, uh, I could be considered a a negative Nancy, like to the point where I've had like friends, like I'm on a deployment, you know, 8,000 miles away from home, and they're complaining to my wife on Facebook that I'm complaining about everything and just kind of, you know, kind of a doomsday thing. Like, it's just, it's who I've always been. I don't know why I'm that way. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, but uh, since, I've, since I've been attending this church, which is the first church I've attended in a long time, and we'll go into that on Sunday, um, something that's really, really touched my heart is, uh, is the power of the tongue and, and speaking life into, into everything. Uh, and we started going to the uh, the small group meetings uh, with the Knights and um, uh, Robert Morris's uh, series. Uh, it feels like every every month when we when we sit down and, and go through it, it just it feels like he's talking to me. And uh, so it took me a little while to start doing it because, like I said, for 20 years I've been negative about everything. You know, I don't expect things to go right. I just hope that they do. Um, but uh, for the last couple of months, I've, I've been trying to stay positive at home, at church, at work, uh, regardless of the situation. Just say, say that it's, you know, what I want to have happen as opposed to, you know, what I may have thought was going to happen or what, what is likely to happen or, or whatever it is. And uh, <clears throat> so this year was my, my second look for, for Master Sergeant because you, you have to have uh, two years as a Sergeant First Class before you get uh, considered for Master Sergeant. So last year was my first look. I didn't expect to make it because most people don't make it on the first look, and I didn't make it. Uh, and this year, the other, th- the other thing was last year they did not pick up very many people. Like across the Army, they picked up about 10% of the people that were considered. So that just meant there were even more people that were being considered this year. Um, and so when I knew the promotion board was coming up, you know, I, whatever, I'll get my stuff ready. I'll make sure my, my picture's together, my uniform's good, and, you know, all my, all my records are right. And uh, just whatever it is, what it is. Um, but but a couple months ago, I I kind of tried to change the way I looked at that, and I I started being positive with it. I, I was you know positive at work when I talked to my boss because we were both being considered for master sergeant at the same time. Um, so I, w- I would tell him, no man, you, you are going to make it. You know, and this was his like like his fifth look. So for him, it was no man, you're good, you're going to make it. You know, and and I did the same thing for myself. I mean, regardless of the situation, I'm I'm going to make it. It doesn't matter if there's people that have been in the army longer. Uh, people that have been to certain schools, you know, ranger school or, or jump master school or, or things like that that I haven't attended. Um, you know, I, I, I stood on, on the power of, of the tongue. I stood on the power of Jesus and the promises uh, that, that we have been, we've been given. And, uh, and it worked out. And I was, I was, regardless of how much I've stayed positive and spoken, you know, spoken life into it, I was so surprised when I got the word on Monday uh, that I made it. But you know, it, it just goes to show that, you know, it's something that you, you can do. And I, I've done it with other things, and I'm trying to, to spread it at work. You know, it's, 
it's really hard in that setting to to spread the gospel, but I, I I try to throw it in there whenever I can. You know, in even situations like this, we've got a couple of other soldiers that are being considered for for E seven. You know, I tell them the same thing, and and they know my situation, so they know that maybe I shouldn't have made it, or not shouldn't have made it, because of course I should have made it. I'm pretty great, but you know, maybe there were people that were more likely to make it, and 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 I made it, and so I'm trying to use that as a as kind of a stepping stone to to spread the you know. Good, the good news. Amen. So Amen. Good that's it. Yeah. He was being pretty diplomatic there. He was t- telling me a, a few things. There were people he's worked for in the past uh, who, were, uh, who were passed over, who were senior to him in terms of uh, time and grade and things like that. So, you know, and, and, you know, and it's always a big deal, but it's a bigger deal in the age of Facebook when people are offering uh, congratulations and things like that, and you kind of got to be careful about who you tag and who, uh, <laughs> who hears about this stuff and who sees you celebrating because there are some people who are going to be alone. <laughs> but he's absolutely right. You know, there is, there is power in the tongue. And I was chatting with the, the guy you're going to hear from here in a second. We were kicking, over, kicking around some of the things uh, from the, he was here for, one of the, for the Sunday night Hagen meeting, right, Joab? And uh, I was telling him, he asked about the rest of the meetings. And I've told you guys, and I'll tell you again, the, the, the meeting that hit me the hardest was Monday night when, when Pastor sat here on the stage and talked about the word of faith, the power of the tongue, speaking into our lives, not asking, not uh, requesting, certainly not begging, uh, but speaking to the mountains in our lives. And... Uh, Wow, just uh, how I was challenged by that. And, and wow, what, what, a, what a blessing to hear somebody grabbing this message, applying it, and seeing it happen. This is what's supposed to be the norm, right, for Christianity. And this is what I want to see the norm for living word. You know, we, uh, uh, I'm big on preaching the gospel. You're going to see that vision printed up here soon. We live the gospel and we preach the gospel, right? And, uh, of course, I've got a heart for evangelism. I want to see people come to Christ. But I want to see every member of Living Word Family Church walking in victory, going from glory to glory, faith to faith, uh, and a lot of that. I mean, listen, it's all God. It's all, and God is good, right? God's good all the time. Wow, the power of the tongue, the power of our words. You know, it reflects what's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when that mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart, if the heart is full of the word of God, it changes the world around us. And uh, wow, there's so much more I want to say about that. And I may get to some of it. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not hung up on it because I get you guys every Sunday and Wednesday. I want to introduce a... Uh, are you guys both going to come up here? Yeah, let Joab come on up here. Uh, it's amazing. I've told you guys before, and there's a pro. He goes right to the microphone. Uh, I, I've told you guys before, and it's not something I like to speak over myself, but I just I admit it to you. I'll call it an admission rather than a confession because I'm a faith guy, right? I struggle with names, all right? I don't say that out of humility. I say that because if you remember from a couple of years ago, we're going through the Bible on Sunday mornings. We've, from Genesis to Revelation, we're not done. We, start, we started a year and a half series three years ago, all right? And uh, I don't know if you remember when we were back in the, 
in the story of David, one of my favorite characters in that era was a guy named Joab. He was David's general. And this guy's name is Joab. And I met him at the Hagen meeting Sunday night. And when he came tonight, I didn't remember his name. So this is the struggle uh, that I face from time to time. Anyway, uh, he, he told me then, and uh, because I was talking to 50 different people, I didn't remember a lot of details. He's got some connections with uh, one of the missionaries that we support on a regular basis, Gary Crow. And uh, as he was telling me some of his story tonight, hey, he shows up with his uh, wife who's pregnant with your fourth child, right? Fourth boy. Wow, and that's Amanda over there, right, Amanda? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's only been a few minutes. Uh, and um, he was telling me what's going, a little, little bit about what's going on in their life. And uh, as, as he's talking to me, I said, I just said, hey, man, would you mind? I said, I hate putting you on the spot like that because they clearly, you know, here's a guy who, you know, he, he's going to tell you about, I hope you, you tell about your parents, tell about everything because I'm not going to, I don't remember it. I want you to take your time and tell your whole connection to this, uh, connection to the mission field. Um, and I know when they come here, he didn't tell me he was coming tonight or anything. Probably just kind of wanted to sit in and relax. I asked him, would you mind sharing a little bit? And because he's a good guy, because he's a brother, because he's a pro, he agreed to do it. He's even got some uh, some couple minutes of video he's going to share with us. Uh, I just want you to welcome him and receive what he's got to share with us tonight. What, what? Brother, what's your last name? Fisher. Fisher. <laughs> Would you please give a warm living word welcome to Joab Fisher. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better, Pastor Scott, on my way here, I'm like, Amanda, what's his name? The pastor here. And I'm, I go to the website. I'm trying to click the button, and it's not working. I thought, oh, we'll just have to walk in by faith. And I think that you said Pastor Scott, and then it, it clicked. So I'm in the same boat. Uh, my name is Joab, and my wife, Amanda, and uh, we're missionaries to Hong Kong, China. And uh, we have three little boys, a four-year-old, two-year-old, and one-year-old. They're back there somewhere. Uh, as you hear them crying, it's probably our one-year-old. My wife's pregnant with our fourth boy, praise the Lord. We'll have, uh, I can play center, and then we have a basketball team. But uh, we've been missionaries in China, uh, it, my family has, for the past 15 years. So my dad is a Rhema graduate, and um, I'm a Rhema graduate as well. I've graduated 2011 at Rhema Bridal Training Center. That's where my, my, my wife there. And uh, so my parents graduated back in the 90s, and then they had a call for the mission field. So uh, he was sharing me how Pastor Hagen shared about when he was a kid going through stuff, had to live by faith. And, and you know, I, I think as kids, we, we learn so much and we, it retains in us. And uh, my wife and I, what we're doing in the ministry is a product of children's ministry. Really, I can remember back in kids' church at Rama and some other Word of Faith churches, what they sowed into me, it's very vivid still today. Um, and learning how to live by faith. You know, kids can live by faith. And I remember uh, as a kid believing God for money, and I raised money as a nine-year-old to support a missionary all by myself. So I s somehow got money. I don't even know how I got the money. I think is my dad bought us a little pop machine so we sold soda cans at his business, and I would get all that money, and I'd send it off to the missionaries. You know, 
I'm thinking now about my kids, you know, I want them to grow up and know how to live by faith because they're going to be world changers. If, if someone can grow up in faith like Samuel in the Bible grew up in the house of the Lord, um, there's something powerful about that. Um, and so uh, my, my wife and I, uh, after we met and got married and moved back to China, back to Hong Kong, um, we are associate pastors with my dad's church for about six years. And uh, so it, something exciting has happened with us. And last year, God's put it on our heart to move to another city in mainland China, deeper in the country. And we're going to start a work there. So this is kind of the first breaking off. I've always been working under my dad's ministry. And you know what's funny? Uh, we're in a city, Hong Kong. Hong Kong is, if you don't know, is one of the busiest metropolises in the world. Millions of people in this tiny little square footage area. My parents, okay, if God were to select the top candidates to go to Hong Kong, they're from the farm pastures of Colorado, the middle of nowhere, kind of looks like around here, driving, just nothing. And uh, my mom grew up in a town called Last Chance, Colorado, (laughs) population 12. And my dad was a hunter and a fisher, and uh, he built houses, and his vision of life was to build a ranch somewhere in the mountains, and, and uh, he worked to support his habit of hunting. And God calls them and says, I want you to go to one of the busiest cities in the world and preach faith. I think God has a sense of humor, because, you know, sometimes I think, how am I qualified to do this? You know, how, how many of you feel super qualified when God tells you to do something? You know, I think sometimes God uses us when we don't feel qualified because he says, I make you qualified. And then we rely on him and his anointing. And so I just, I just think about it. It makes me laugh sometimes seeing my parents in this city of Chinese. My dad's tall like, like you and your dad, and he stands out and all these little Chinese people. And God, he's preaching the word of God there. And now uh, I have a brother and two sisters, and they're also in the ministry. Uh, my brother's married to a Hong Kong Chinese, and they had their son, and now they're having twin girls that due in May. So my, my mom is ecstatic. She's getting all these new grandkids. Uh, so, you know, uh, the life of being in the mission field is very different. And there... I, I I was 11 years old when we actually moved overseas. And, you know, in the Bible, uh, there's something you learn real quick about prayer, the power of prayer, and you were talking about the the power of your tongue. And you sometimes us in here in America, we take things for granted. Um, and the, 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 this, this statistic is just phenomenal, like, in China, there's 100, over 100 million Christians, but tens of millions of those Christians don't even have a Bible yet. Not even one Bible. They've never read the Bible. And yet, let alone, what do we have the word of faith and all this wonderful teaching that we've had? And we've gone to places and given Bibles away, and they've just held them. It's so precious to them, God's word. And... And I just think how much I've had, how much, how many books I have in my library, you know, access, and how much we take for granted uh, what we've learned from Dad Hagen. But one thing you learn when you're on the mission field is the power of prayer. 
because there are some situations where you realize you need prayer over yourself. Uh, and the Apostle Paul said in almost every, the ending of almost every book that he wrote, he asked the church to pray for him. It's very interesting. If you look in the end of Ephesians 6, he says, Pray for me that words may be given to me, and I may speak boldly the word of God. And in uh, Colossians 4, he says, pray, that, pray for me that I have open doors to proclaim the message. And in Romans, he says, Romans 15, he says, Pray that I, uh, join me. He actually says to join me in my struggle by praying for me. Pray that I may be rescued from unbelievers. You know, and if the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever have lived, the apostles, needed the church to pray for him, how much more do I need prayer? You know, you and I and your pastor, I'm sure, you need prayer. <laughs> no, it, he's super pastor, right? There's, there's one time, uh, j- just kind of what we do in China, uh, because of the lack of Bibles, and one of our callings is to take God's word to those people that don't have access to them. And the other thing is there's over 200 million Christians in, uh, people in China sorry, that have never heard the name of Jesus even one time, never even heard it, never even heard of the religion of Christianity. You go up and ask them, they have no clue. And in our day and age with technology, that's pretty phenomenal. The largest religion in the world to not even know it exists. And you'll go up to these people and you'll share about Jesus. And they'll accept him right there. Just like that. So ripe, the harvest field. So so our mission is, number one, to, to share the gospel with those who haven't heard. But you know what? That's step one because people, uh, a lot of Christians can do that. But we have something else, uh, the Holy Spirit. Because how many of you know if you just get saved and you stop there, there's a whole lot more power that's untapped. And so we have a mandate to take the Holy Spirit. Because if someone gets saved and then they get filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and they know their authority in Christ, they're going to do damage to the devil's kingdom. Way more than if, if, if they're just by themselves. And so you can give someone a Bible, which is great. But imagine having never gone to church in your whole life, never heard about God, and you're given a Bible. And sometimes these little villages, they appoint the eldest Christian who's been saved three months, and they say, you're the pastor now of this group. Here's a Bible. What do you do? So sometimes they just open up and just start reading a paragraph, and then sing some songs. Uh, how much more if you can give them a Bible, and then, then on top of that, Kenneth Hagin's Believer's Authority. You know, that's what the message that we have that we can give to these people, and that's why it's so critical in, in our day and age uh, to, to do this in the nation of China. Uh, China seems to be getting into the news a lot lately, um, involved with all kinds of stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, the direction of China is going in a little bit negative direction. Uh, president Xi Jinping of China just made himself uh, president for life. He changed the law earlier this year. And a lot of people are very surprised at this. The last person to do this was Chairman Mao, who is the leader of China in the 1960s when China became communist. And so he has been also 
cracking down on, he calls it illegal religion. He wants to shut down all illegal religion, which is all the underground churches. And that started in February. Now, uh, Chinese culture, they don't always follow through completely. Sometimes they make threats and do something and then they back off. So what we've learned, we've done doing this for 15 years, is don't rock the boat. That's the saying in China. Just go in, do your, do your ministry and get out. Don't, do, don't try to do something extravagant or big. That's when you get arrested or shut down or whatever. Um, so we're just, a lot of people are holding their breath in China to see what will happen. But you know what? No matter how hard the devil tries, he can't stop revival. He can't stop when people know their authority in God because it's not going to be us, the Americans, going in and getting China saved. It's going to be Chinese people that learn how to pray for their country and use the word of faith and speak authority over their nation. That's going to do changes. And when the, the wall, Iron Curtain, fell in Soviet Russia, a uh, pastor brought 50 pastors from Russia to uh, one of the Rama camp meetings. Some of you may know the story. It was in the 1990s, and they had the 50 pastors get up on the stage and testify. And they said this. They said, we used to hate our leaders and curse them. We cursed our leaders. And they said, it wasn't until someone smuggled in a bunch of believers' authorities in Russian and we read the book, and we saw that if we pray for our leaders, that it will do change. And we started to pray for our leaders, and we believe that is why the Iron Curtain fell so quickly like it did in Russia. Well, we need the same thing to happen in China. And uh, Dad Hagen prophesied this a long time ago. Uh, the last country Dad Hagen visited was Hong Kong, and this was before China was open to, to visitors. And he said, we're going to get into China one day. And he said, the uh, bamboo curtain, so the iron curtain was Russia, bamboo curtain is China. He said, the bamboo curtain will fall before Jesus returns. And so, in the last 50 years, the bamboo curtain has been leaning. And so, we're helping push it down faster. <laughs> Amen? And we, I'm, I'm wrapping this all around to bring out the point that we can't do this alone. And there is a real power connection when we get around our own company. I love the story in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John were arrested, the first arrest for preaching the name of Jesus, the blind man. And after they were released, the Pharisees said, well, these people, they've been with Jesus because they were speaking with boldness. And they said, who are these people? And they said, as long as you promise not to preach in the name of Jesus, we'll let you go. So, they, what did they do? They went back, and it says they went back to their own company. The, what is that? That's the church that believed like they did. They reported what happened, and the whole church prayed. And the place where they were meeting was shaken, and everyone was filled up with the power of God and went out and preached. And so I, I feel like, like this is one of our own company kind of churches. I feel that the word, the power of God. Um, one closing story. Uh, we were in a very rural area of China, uh, and in this area, Jesus had never been preached for a hundred years. Very old city. They didn't have running water. They had a big stream that came down. It, it felt like you're walking back in time a thousand years. Oxen pulled plows, just phenomenal pictures you can get of, uh, of the area and the people. And so we went there and uh, we got to the area and our contacts said, all right, we're going to 
we're going to do some things, but whatever you do, don't speak the name of Jesus. Now, this was very interesting because rewind two weeks before, uh, our team was praying for this trip. And in prayer, when you know how to pray, not just, oh, Lord, bless the trip, but really pray, pray in the spirit, you know some things. And we had prayed out, and my mom is a great prayer in, in the spirit, and she, she knew by the Holy Spirit that we were going to have some opposition, and they were going to say not to preach in the name of Jesus, but to not be afraid when that happens. So we're there, and they tell us that. And you know, it's kind of funny. You almost think, oh, yeah, this is what we prayed out. And when you prayed things, you're not afraid, and you know what to do. And we had favor with the village chief of this village, and he let us use an old communist school to host a camp for children in the village. A lot of kids everywhere. And the kids' parents all left to go work in the big cities, and so they're being raised by their grandparents. So we said we invited all the kids of the village to come, and we have a a three-day strategy. Day one, get them saved. Day two, get them filled with the Holy Spirit. And day three, get them commissioned and and to uh, know how to grow up spiritually by reading the Word of God. And it's just amazing you wouldn't think, how can these kids have never heard about Jesus get filled with the Holy Spirit in two days? But they all, they all, they accepted it. They just were hungry for it. Um, and since this was behind closed doors, we could have a little more freedom because the other people in the village didn't know what was going on. But our, the village chief also let us set up a stage in the center of the, the village. And, and we played some music and we sang Jesus like some of, in, in English. Some of the Chinese didn't know what we were saying, but for the first time in a hundred years, Jesus was proclaimed in that village. Uh, however, right during this time, uh, when the band was getting up to play, someone uh, sabotaged all our equipment, unplugged it, and then told every got up and took a mic and told everyone to leave. And apparently, there was a spirit of fear that came over one of our Christian brother friends, and uh, there was a spirit of strife going on, but. It's like in that moment, you know, a lot's going on. And they, they said that uh, the government sent in two spies with cameras to film what we were doing. So people were freaking out saying, you know, okay, we can't say Jesus and on and on. But we prayed. We had prayed and we knew it's going to be okay. And then I, I remember the moment. All of a sudden I was praying. My mom and I were talking with the contacts. And something changed in the spirit. And the contact said, okay, your, your faith is bigger than our faith, all right? You just do what you want to do. We'll just kind of wash our hands clean and say, okay, just go ahead. And they gave us the authority to go ahead and do what we were doing. At the end of the three-day uh, ministry that we did in this village, um, we found out one of the district leaders, communist district leaders, came to the village and he asked to speak with one of our leaders and people are kind of nervous. What's he going to ask? So they go up and talk to him and he said, how does one convert to Christianity? Because me and my friend are considering. Wow. Wow. Isn't that something? What the devil intended for bad, God turned around for good. All because of prayer, knowing your authority, speaking the word, 
And when you're in those situations, you, you sense God's power a lot stronger like you need it. Then when we're here in the States, sometimes we just take it for granted. We've, there's so many other believers. You can kind of coast spiritually. But when you're on the front lines, you can't coast spiritually. You need to know your authority. That's why sometimes persecution can be a good thing because it gets people on fire. Like, okay, do I really believe what I'm believing? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so anyway, uh, I've gone on and on sharing about stuff. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a short video that kind of just shows... Uh, kind of puts you in China, what we're doing. And there's one part, it's my favorite part, where they're going up to these young kids and asking them, have you heard about Jesus before? And they show them a Bible. Have you seen this? And they, they have no clue. And so without any further ado, go ahead and roll that video. Wow. Man. All right. A couple of things I want to say quickly before we close out here. Um. Uh, I remember, you know, Gary Crowell was here just last year, and he shared with us some of the uh, great strides Christianity has made in China. And I was stunned, uh, not just in China, but he talked about the, the percentages that have gone up in places like Indonesia and uh, other places where Christianity was such a small minority and how Christianity has just exploded. And I was thrilled to hear it, and I know you were too. And yet, just today, I, I was racking my brain while you were talking. Just this morning, I was listening to SRN News, which is the Moody News Network, or well, it's, it's the news that I hear when I'm listening to the Moody News Network, about something that just happened in China that made Christianity, the preaching of Christianity, more difficult. I don't know if you know anything specific about that, but, but it's, it, it's a blow to uh, missionaries and, uh, and, and, and Christianity. And the first thing I thought was, I remember thinking, wow, there's a lot more Christians in China than I, than I thought. We've got this thing won. And then all of a sudden, this is like, oh, yeah, there's still opposition to this. We need to remember that. Second thing is, and so, so I, I mentioned that to say, keep praying, right? We keep praying for the spread of the gospel, for the protection of the missionaries and ministers who are there preaching the word of life, Right? Second thing is, all right, we heard from Chris Heinen uh, several minutes ago who shared about a personal victory in his life that came about. He's convinced, and I'm convinced, and I believe you're convinced, as a result of him applying the word of faith to his life for really the first time in his life in terms of a, a systematic application, right? You're learning some things that you've learned to apply. And you say, all right, you hear this? And then you hear this. Now we're talking about the big picture. We're talking about, all right, what's the word of faith for? Is, it for? is it for the salvation of nations or is it for personal success? It is for both. Do you understand me? God loves you as individuals. He is concerned about you, your success, your blessing, your career, and he is concerned about the salvation of nations. He is big enough to care for it all. I want you to understand that because nothing let me think. There are probably, there's probably some things that frustrate me more, but there's very little that frustrates, me more, that frustrates me more than this false dichotomy that people create. Well, you can either be concerned about the things of God or the things of this world or the things of, 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 uh, that are important to you. You are important to God. You are his children. I want you to understand this. God self-identifies first and foremost as Father. And anybody in here who is 
worth half his salt as a father, wants to see his children do well, succeed, be well, prosper, be healthy. At the same time, every father who is worth his salt to the world wants to see his children mean something to the world. So what's God concerned with? That you mean something to the world? That you're going to be preaching the gospel? That you're going to be uh, making a difference? Yes, that means something to him. What, or does it mean nothing to him? That you succeed? That you are personally well, prosperous, and successful? That means something to him as well. And he's a big God, and he's concerned about it all. So I do believe, I believe with all my heart that God was instrumental in Chris Heinen's promotion. And I believe that God is instrumental in the Fisher's ministry. And I believe he's instrumental in bringing them all here tonight to share this. Praise God. This is an exciting thing. Man, oh man, when I think about the the lives that are being touched... And when I think about the opposition that is out there, and when I think about the opportunity that is before us, and I think about, it's it's all I can do. I don't want to feel guilty. I just want to feel challenged. You know, when when you've got somebody in your presence who is facing genuine persecution, opposition, and threats, it makes me wonder, what more can I do to be a little bit bolder with my personal witness? Because what am I risking other than, personal rejection man for all the garbage that's going on in this world i ain't going to jail for sharing my faith am i or are you no you're not i'm not not yet praise god so anyway uh obviously let's go ahead open your bible to psalm no i'm kidding i'm kidding don't don't (laughs) we're 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 done I, i do want to do this this is a last minute thing this is not something I planned, certainly not something they planned. When, when uh, the Fishers got here tonight and we were chatting, kind of catching up, on, and he was refreshing me on where he was from, uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I want to take up a quick offering for him, all right? This is not something they planned. It's not something we planned. I just want to do it, and, and there's no pressure here. All right? If you brought a little extra, if you've got it to spare, I want you to bless them with This is a year of giving, right? Now, I want you to remember, your obligation as children of God and as believers is the tithe. And I believe the tithe belongs to the local church. But as God blesses you, I believe, as he blesses you over and above, I believe we are to bless. We, are, we're, we're, we need to see ourselves as channels of blessing. They didn't come here tonight for, for an offering, but they also didn't come here tonight to preach. They, they didn't tell me they were coming. I had no idea, and I felt a little bad. I said, we're just kind of chatting. I said, man, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but would you mind sharing a little bit? And, uh, and man, this is, this, this, is where, this is where their hearts are. You know, so thank you so much for sharing what's going on in your world. I really, I, I so much appreciate you guys being here and, and doing what you do and sharing what you share. Uh, but this is just something they did, and uh, and uh, they, they, they didn't come here knowing they were going to do this. And man, I'm sure that there's times they just want to go somewhere and just receive, just relax. <laughs> and just be fed and kind of blend in. And they were here for the Hagen meetings. They were in the area and thought, man, let's just go to church somewhere. And I kind of put him on the spot. And, and I know, I, I'm sure it's not something he resents. And yet, on the other hand, it's not something he came to do. Uh, so I'm just asking you uh, to reach. Let's just give a little bit of blessing 
and, uh, and, and let's invest in the ministry that they are doing in places that we can't go. Amen? I know you guys. I know, I know you guys' hearts. I know you're excited about it. Huh? Oh, we can, can we tithely this? That's a great question. Uh, and I know, yes, we can. All right. Uh, if, you, if, we, if we do tithely for this offering, Daryl, Daryl? Do a tithely to the missions. There's something on the tithely app that will indicate that, correct? Yes. So we can do that. So you can, t- you can do the electronic giving via tithely for that. If you, if you got cash and you want an envelope for that, just write your, if you're writing checks, write them out to Living Word Family Church. We will give every dime to the fishers. I promise you, you guys know us. We'll do that. If you brought cash and want an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will give it to you. Here, I need one too, actually. What's the date? Yeah, I got that part. That was Sean, wasn't it? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Are you glad you came tonight? I'm glad I came. I'm glad you came. Hold your offering up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the testimonies that we've been able to enjoy tonight. Thank you for your presence in our midst and everything that you've implanted in us, every way that you have grown us tonight, everything that you have deposited in us. We pray, Lord God, that everything that you've spoken to us through the Heinens, through the Fishers tonight, uh, would take root in us. That would not just challenge us, but it would take root and grow and bear fruit in our lives. And we thank you now for the opportunity to sow into the ministry of, uh, of the fishers and uh, everything they're doing in China. We pray for their protect. Come up here, you guys, real quick. Just pray that God prospers you, that he protects you, and that he propels you into everything that he has in mind, and that you guys would have clear vision and clear, abundant provision for everything that God has laid on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. We'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org.